Our neighbors are taking care of a five-month-old puppy for two weeks. The puppy has been in prison, where prisoners are training her to be a service dog. These trainees get a two-week reprieve every so often to receive a different kind of socialization, we have learned. Kiki, the dog, looks like a spaniel with a Labrador's nose. She's the rich brown color of French roast coffee. Earlier in the week, she came to the bus stop wearing a bridle around her snout. There's, I'm sure there's a better word, but that's what it reminded me of because it, it kept her the top and bottom of her snout together. You could tell that it bothered her because she laid her head over in the grass and she tried to rub it off and then she pawed at it, but it held tight. And I couldn't help wondering whether you're feeling as trapped as this puppy today. Those of you who have been around churches a while know that we call this stewardship season when we ask members to pledge a portion of next year's financial, uh, next year's finances to fund the mission work and activities and building and staff of this venerable institution we call Calvary Baptist Church. Add to that the famous gospel story known to some as the widow's might, and you might consider crawling under the pew and sliding out the back door. Because you think I'm going to ask you, like that widow, to contribute all you have to live on to the church coffers, and you're wearing a doggy bridle and you can't bark back. (laughs) Relax. To a point. We're going to take a, a different angle on this scripture today. I hope it was different to me when I was reading up on it. Sacrificial giving is one theme, but there's much more to this passage. So let me give you another image of railroad tracks. You can't get far in Roanoke without crossing railroad tracks. Just a few blocks north of us is this huge rail yard where multiple trains come through on multiple tracks. And I want you to imagine those parallel tracks for a few moments to help us see the parallels between the temple of Jesus' day and the church of today. Two scenes comprise today's text. The first is easy to illustrate. We've just enjoyed Halloween. This is the mask that I accompanied around our neighborhood last weekend. Other children had their faces painted in camouflage or with whiskers like a cheetah. And that, to me, that's similar to the image that Jesus gives us of the scribes, that they're wearing masks. When they're walking around in long robes, they are wearing clothes that portray superiority. Imagine me walking through the mall with my pulpit robe on and stole hoping people will look at me and show deference to me. But these, Jesus says, they will receive the greater condemnation. Or as Janice's um, version read, they will be punished most severely. Because while they're acting all goody-two-shoes, like they deserve our honor and reverence, they are devouring widows' houses. That's low. As 
an old professor of mine, he would say, that's lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. (laughs) Widows of the day often had no support and depended on charity just to live one day at a time. To take away their homes, however these religious people did so, was like seeing someone who had fallen and broken her arm and then stomping on it. And then they go to a prayer service, looking overly pious. It's evil, and it deserves condemnation. So contrast the image of these masked scribes with one of these poor widows. Perhaps her house had been devoured, who knows, but with those two pennies clinking into the offering plate. We had a great sound effect for that during the children's message this morning. In his comments about today's Bible passage, Pete Peary asks, Does Jesus point to the poor widow who gives her last two coins to the temple as a model for giving? Or does Jesus point to her because she is a tragic example of how religious institutions suck the life out of people? This widow gives all she has to an institution that is going to be utterly destroyed. In the very next passage, Jesus declares about the temple, not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. From the warning Jesus gives about the scribes who are in part responsible for the operation of the Jerusalem temple, it's clear that he condemns them for devouring widows' houses. The whole religious apparatus has become perverted. Its operators lead privileged lives. It no longer protects the widows, the poor, the vulnerable of the earth. It lives off them instead. Go along on a parallel railroad track. Think about a corrupt government. We hear about them around the world. Leaders of those governments might receive God's condemnation when they are charged with protecting the people, but instead they take large bribes and they plant their relations in positions that other people deserve and they live lavishly while other people starve. If you apply that in our nation, we might say that if Congress takes care of itself, without taking care of the average American citizen, then our days as a nation are numbered, just like the days of the temple were numbered. When any institution exists for its own well-being, its days are numbered. So put Calvary Baptist Church on a third parallel track. If Calvary exists for our own well-being, our days are numbered. If we are here just to take care of ourselves, we might as well disband because, like the scribes, we will receive the greater condemnation. This afternoon, the Fellowship of Deacons and others will be meeting to revive the deacon team ministry. The team ministry plan offers every person in the congregation an opportunity to be involved in reaching out for the sake of Christ. 
If you get a charge out of visiting people in nursing homes and making their day, we have a team for you. If you can knit or crochet, we have a team for you. If you can cook or buy a meal for someone else, we have a team for you. You can watch the church newsletter for more information on that. The idea is we're not just taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of widows and orphans and any who are oppressed in some way. In Pete Peary's challenging commentary, he notes that Jesus praises the widow as a model for giving. And yet, the object of the giving, the temple, remains condemned. It's unworthy of the gift because it, had not, it has not been a house of prayer for all people, but had, as Matthew says, become a den of robbers. It's worthy of destruction. If Jesus is holding up this widow as a model for giving, then this key detail must be noted. Jesus calls his disciples to notice that this widow gives all that she has, literally the whole of her life. She gives her whole life, think about it, to something that is corrupt and condemned. Moreover, this is the last scene in Jesus' public ministry. From here, all that remains is Mark's telling. in Mark's telling is the temple discourse and the passion narrative. And so this widow offers a glimpse of what Jesus is about. He is on his way to giving the whole of his life for something that is corrupt and condemned. And in this case, not just the temple, but the whole world, all of humanity, all of us. Jesus calls the disciples, the church, to himself and points out this poor widow and her manner of giving. Watching her, for us, will not lead to unvarnished financial support for religious institutions. But could it reinforce the call of Christ to the church to give the whole of its life for the sake of those who do not deserve such a gift? Yesterday, 40 people who are engaged in ministering in urban and downtown Roanoke gathered to examine what it means to really seek the peace of the city where God has sent us. That's from a chapter, a verse in Jeremiah. We were challenged with such data as over 40% of city housing in Roanoke is renter-occupied. So over just about almost less than 60% is owner-occupied. And that says a lot about investment in a community, whether you rent or own we learned that the poverty rate for the city children is over 27%. That means one in four children, more than one in four children, in the city lives below the poverty line. And we were challenged with questions like this one. If Calvary Baptist Church were to suddenly disappear overnight, would the city of Roanoke miss us? 
Now, we would miss us. But would the city? If so, why? If not, therein lies our challenge. What must we do? We always have more questions than we do answers, but the conference was a great step forward with a strapping feeling of camaraderie and community and partnership among interfaith downtown congregations. Continuing with Pete Peary's comments, I thought this was helpful too. He says that a governing document from a mainline church in the United States declares, the church is called to be a sign in and for the world of the new reality which God has made available to people in Jesus Christ. The church is called to be a sign. How? How will it be such a sign? And this from the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA says, by healing and reconciling and binding up wounds, ministering to the needs of the poor, the sick, the lonely, and the powerless, engaging in the struggle to free people from sin, fear, oppression, hunger, and injustice, giving itself and its substance to the service of those who suffer, sharing with Christ in the establishing of his just, peaceable, and loving rule in the world, the church is called to undertake this mission even at the risk of losing its life. Now, do you see the parallel track, the fourth one, with Jesus? We are called to undertake the mission of Christ even at the risk of losing our life. How willing are we to give of who we are for the sake of Christ. Let's pray together. You challenge us, O oh God, with your holy scriptures and with the images that are placed before us. And we seek your wisdom in knowing what to give and how to give. And we seek your guidance in knowing our boundaries as well. Help us to see how you take care of us and then how we can care for others in your name and for your glory and not our own. With thanksgiving, O God, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our guide. Amen.